Welcome to an expansive explanation of Athopia's history, narrated by Gideon, your faithful DM. In this guide you will learn the basis for the start of this planet, notable events in its history, and its state of being leading all the way up to the beginning of the Resistance. At the very start, the planet was created by a trio of gods, Eo, Orn, and Deo. These three were tasked with making a world that could sustain complex life and provide resources to its inhabitants. From the very essence of matter itself, they crafted a planet full of rich soil and unspoiled natural landscapes. It had weather, an orbital pattern, and all the things necessary to support life on its surface. Then, each god created two forms of living creatures to fill the world. Eo made the dwarves and the giants, symbols of sturdiness and power. Orn created the elves and the orcs, two races meant to balance each other out in their respective lifestyles. Two sides of the same coin, one could say. Lastly, Deo created humans and dragons, meant to represent prosperity and the best of all worlds. Half of the world is populated with races of good, capable of great intellect and societal achievements. The other half was evil, meant to challenge the good and serve as figures of greed, power, and strife. A balance was formed as these races were released into Athopia, free to roam and live their lives in an entirely new and open field. As Athopia progressed, it attracted the attention of other minor gods who were scattered about the multiverse, and they too added their own forms of contribution. Common animals, aberrations, undead, monstrosities, fiends, and all other types of creatures began to trickle into Athopia, diversifying the spectrum even further. Many species naturally got along, while others warred under all circumstances. Yet the gods never truly interfered with Athopia's development, only aided and added variables to further its progress. They found it interesting to watch humanoids and monsters make allies with each other, as well as fight to the death. They saw new races develop, and variants of original creatures form, all without their divine fingers touching a single thing. It was fascinating to them to see their world grow so quickly and powerfully. Eventually, civilization dawned on Athopia, the first tribes and towns forming on a huge mass of land called Hagri. Humanity had separated itself from the beasts, organizing and coagulating on their own. Hagri remained the biggest place of population for some time, mostly filled with common races like dwarves, elves, humans, and halflings. However, this continent would see its division when newcomers from faraway lands like Yenelv, Astera, or Long John Island discovered the opportunity they had in the great Hagorian landscape. While their efforts may have been peaceful at first, war quickly broke out as millions of immigrants spilled into Hagory from all sides, wanting territory of their own. For three centuries, the King's War ravaged the Hemisphere and pitted every man against his neighbor in a competition for separation. 
No man seemed to be able to ally with another, and every race considered only themselves the superior. The gods began to worry, fearing that their world was destined to fail. Yet a peace treaty, after these many long years of violence, managed to wrap a chain around the evil usurpers and come to an agreement about how the world was to be split. The treaty proposed four countries, Hagri, Isia, Karimot, and Dale, later split into West and East Dale. This seemed to douse the flames and allow the world to once again settle into peace. With the world brought back to its intended self, the civilization train accelerated at an unprecedented and prosperous pace. Huge cities began to spring up, like Rachen or Filshire. These metropolises served as a benchmark for society's constant growing and learning. The Weave, well known as the source for all arcane arts, was discovered and opened up a vast array of possibilities for all. The small populations of newcomers from other countries soon grew to match the size of deep-rooted societies, adding beasts and man alike to the great five-continent mass named Magnuon. Religious influence spread to all manner of society, each of the gods contributing a small sliver of power to their worshippers as they observed them grow. Science, aided by magic, grew to such powerful and fantastical levels that it was believed society could advance no further. Firearms and electricity were, while expensive, a well-known resource. The commonwealth was high, and the general citizen was well enlightened about their surroundings. Life seemed to have no higher level of existence. And yet, the doom of Ethiopia was inevitable. Everything changed when the chromatic dragons attacked. Seemingly unprovoked, the once reclusive race now wreaked havoc over every corner of the world, seeking to claim it for themselves. With no trouble, they dispatched nearly half of the world's population and decided to enslave the rest, forming kingdoms and biomes fit only for their kind. To the north, white dragons ruled in an icy tundra. To the east, green dragons slithered among giant forests. To the west, black dragons lurked in desolate swamps. To the south, blue dragons stirred in a constant thunderstorm. And at the center of it all, the red dragons conquered a rocky hellscape. All of these places were hardly fit for human life, and interrupted nearly every form of civilization to exist, leaving only the biggest cities hardly remaining. Even then, humanity was extremely limited in their lifestyles. They were forced to do the dragons' bidding, unallowed to think or innovate on their own. Historical records were lost, and all society regressed greatly, until all that seemed left were small tribes and families barely surviving off of the land. When they were needed most, the gods seemed to leave Athopia entirely. Eo, Orn, and Deo were nowhere to be found, and have not been seen since. The metallic dragons, likewise, were seemingly absent, unaffected or even uncaring of this tragedy that had befallen humankind. The rest of the gods could only look on in terror as their world became a shell of what it once was. In only a few thousand years, life went from its brightest 
to its darkest. No one knows why the Dragon Age ended. Perhaps a great sickness swept through the dragons and struck many of them down. Perhaps the gods finally intervened and forced them to leave. Or maybe a great revolution led by the last of humanity toppled the empires the dragons had forged. Maybe it was a combination of all three, or none of them at all. Whatever it was, the catalyst began when Prometheus, a massive red dragon capable of unimaginable power, was entrapped inside a crystal by a great warrior named Alderit Sovnord. Alderit went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Prometheus, and even though it killed him, he managed to seal the great dragon away in a crystal, which remained locked away with his dead body for centuries to follow. The dragons retreated shortly thereafter, their biomes slowly receding, and kingdoms crumbling to dust. Where they went to also remains a mystery, as the sight of a dragon these days, both metallic and chromatic, is next to none. Only the White Dragon Kingdom remained, receding to the very tip of the world where humanity would not follow. From then on, the world had to recover with what little the great evil kings left them. Hard as it was, humanity climbed the cliff of redemption. The remnants of the biomes left by the dragons were slowly uprooted and replaced with more natural landscapes. The gods, having been silent for so long, finally decided to pitch in and lent their divine powers to great warriors who could slay the vestiges of the past and rebuild what once was. Magnuon became a continent again, as did the rest of the surrounding countries. Civilization once again prospered and grew to a more tolerable level, still much less advanced than before, but on a steady rate of increase. The royal families settled into each country and made their reigns clear establishing order and reinstating their kingdoms properly. Some areas split off into their own individual bounds, becoming independent states of their larger nations. Other areas became disputed, different rulers fighting over whose territory was whose. A world calendar was put in place, organizing time into a cohesive system of years, months, and days. At long last, humanity knit itself into a quilt of possibility. After seven and a half centuries of recovery, Athopia began to resemble a functioning planet of civilization again, and remains on the path of growth as more things are discovered. Over the centuries of war, strife, and construction, Athopia's geographical landscape has been mostly tamed to simpler levels. The geography towards the center of Athopia tends to be more on the mountainous and rocky side since the two major mountain ranges of Magnuon lie close to the equator. Likely these mountains are the remnants of the Red Dragons' volcanic kingdoms. As one travels to the edges of the map, the landscapes tend to be more flat and plain-like. Large forests do still dot the landscape to the east by Isia and Hagari's coast. As well, the west tends towards a muggy, swamp-like climate. The surrounding island countries have similar flat constructions, with the exception of a few hilly or rocky areas. The seas in between can range from calm to tempestuous, and are home to a wide variety of people and creatures, both above and below the surface. The poles are not well explored, 
often only very experienced adventurers visit there, and hardly ever return. As vast as this world is, only half of it is known to us and those who adventure within it. The other hemisphere of the world, known as the Far Lands, is separated by endless miles of ocean, too far to cross by both magical and nautical means. To this day, no visitors have ever come from the Far Lands to this hemisphere, and likewise, no one from here has ever made it there, as far as we know. Even so, the present land and time hold endless opportunities and is a world all on its own. About a year before the beginning of our story, a sailor dwarf and a wizardly elf met in Rachen, Gruldriak Thresholder and Ilbaros Wilderbane, who calls himself Victor, became good friends, their somewhat contrasting personalities strangely drawing towards each other. Victor claimed to be a simple wizard on the go, and Gruldriak was a devout cleric of Cthulhu who meant to spread the word and sail the seas. While not powerful, these two made a moderate reputation for themselves in Rachen, being the odd adventurers they were. The two shared some stories between each other, but not their deepest secrets just yet. Much further away in the mountains of Isia, a man named Segor was caught by slave traders and sailed to Yenelv where he would be sold off. However, he freed himself from his bonds with his great strength and escaped into the wilderness, alone and afraid. There he was found by the aforementioned duo, who, with some trepidation, decided to adopt him. Victor became more closely attached to Segor than Gruldriak and began to teach him how to function in common society. Many accidents were had, some people were hurt, and a lot of property damage was paid for, but over time, Segor learned how to be a man instead of a beast. These three adventurers made a strange reputation for themselves in Rachen, recognizable by appearance and behavior. This reputation is what led them to be selected by the Queen of Yenelv, Lady Amelia Trepaya, to investigate a strange SOS message originating from southeastern Hagari. The three were sailed out to the coast, given a map, and sent to find the source. From there, well, you probably know the rest. <laughs> Athopia's history has been long, complex, and most certainly eventful. Its people are proud, willing to pitch in for the cause of their safety and prepared for whatever comes next in their lives. From the lowliest peasant to the highest of heroes, everyone has a destiny to fulfill and a story to tell. Thank you for viewing this presentation of history, and we hope you continue to watch Athopia as it grows and creates a vast, unpredictable story.